All right. We're back. Part two of our mailbag. And uh, we're going to continue breaking down what to consider when looking at a prospective security leader for your organization. Let's talk about sort of like the gorilla of the security job, which is the pressure, right? You know, what has been their experience? Have they ever been through an incident? Have they ever been through a breach? You know, what would they do? How would they react? Because let's face it, uh, the person who sent in the note is unlikely to want to stand in front of that as storm themselves, right? They're bringing on somebody who knows more about it, who will be able to understand and federate the communications, uh, will understand who should be talked to, who shouldn't, will understand how, to your point, help the team understand how they're supposed to behave. You know, so maybe that's another piece of this as well, is how do they respond, you know, to the pressure of what it means to work in security? Yeah, it's a tough one, you know, and I guess kind of sharing my experience a little bit, personally speaking, my days preceding New Harbor is, um, I can't tell you how many incidents I've been a part of. None of them were ever really that fun, <laughs> I think. You know, I mean, they were challenging. They were stressful. A lot of people worried. I'd say even scared at times. And I mean, you you learn a lot about someone when they're, when they're actually scared, right? You kind of, you see a different side of people. And then, I mean, kind of taking it all the way through, like I've been to court, mm. you know, to have to like testify as to like, you know, different security protocols and like what they mean. And my opinion, that that also sucks. Like, I don't really enjoy that. I have other interesting things that I would rather be doing with my time. Versus those hundreds of people who enjoy being in court. Yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're called, they're, they're, they're called lawyers. <laughs> it's an important thing to understand but you know i think there's a population of no security professionals people who are true incident responders that like they thrive on that stuff and you know if if you find someone with that background it's important to kind of delve into it but i i also think it kind of starts with a sense of self-awareness too of realizing like the day is going to come where you need to be in that position and you need to set your organization up for success and if it's not you you need to be someone who can develop that muscle and put the team around you in order to be successful for when that day actually comes. And, you know, whether, whether that's you or, you know, you outsource it for a team member, it's, it's important to understand it. When we're talking through like all these different facets, you know, and I don't think we're even, you know, three quarters of the way done yet. I'm just thinking about how important it is that the person who fulfills this role is relatively detail focused or at least well-organized. Right. Because if I think, you know, I can break up security and security management along a variety of axes, you know, I could break it up um, left to right and, you know, left to boom, right to boom. You know, how are they at hygiene and preparation? How are they at response? I can go sort of on a technical level. You know, what are they doing in terms of device choice? Or what are they doing in terms of technology choice? I could do it on user experience level. How are they at managing um, and how do they manage the individuals inside the company so it's frictionless? How do they manage authorized users internally so they understand the responsibility of what they do? How do they manage customers and clients and the broad internet? And so I think that another characteristic that you want to hire for is a balanced sensitivity to all the different constituencies that affect what happens inside of security and a willingness to focus on all of them, right? Not be saying, eh, meh, I think desktop support should be handling our endpoint security and eh, Networking, that's somebody else over there. Oh, and the customer stuff, eh, no. You know, you want somebody who understands that all of these areas play a role for them and they have to be comfortable 
orchestrating a security strategy that encompasses all of them. So I think that's sort of part of it as well, being well-organized. And there's another thing, and I was thinking back to uh, when you and I did the live episode at Champlain College at the, the cyber competition. And, you know, we were being asked, you know, what's a, like a really important characteristic? And we said, you know, intellectual curiosity, right? That personal urgency to learn new stuff all the time. You know, if that's not a muscle that you have, or if it's not a characteristic of the past performance of people you're looking to hire, that's probably um, a red flag. You know, a truly awesome CISO today who is going to go nap for a little while because they think their skills are sufficiently well honed is going to be a dull tool pretty quick, right? And so finding a way to both in the way you describe the role hey, this is something that's always changing. We're a changing business and the threat landscape is changing. So permute that and you've got to be thinking all the time combined with, tell me what you learned lately. You know, I, I like the way you're structuring this. Like what question would you ask? I'd you know, say, you know, what's the most interesting thing you've had to go out and learn lately and how did you learn it? You know, and I, I don't care if it's dancing the tango, right? But tell me, you know, where your intellectual curiosity leads you and give me some proof that you're not just, you know, some sedentary person who's looking to fill out Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah, that is a super important piece, and let me let me kind of go around in a circle and come to that one. But starting at the the left and right of boom reference that you had just a couple paragraphs back, you know, and coming back to my example as someone who doesn't like incident response, and you know, as being an organizational security leader, you primarily operate left on the left side, right? Of saying you're mostly in a preventative role right? You're detecting, you're trying to uncover, you're trying to figure out where potential issues could be. I believe that one of the reasons incident response is so stressful for people, and this is my, my philosophy when I was in that position too, the reason why I believe the right side of boom, incident response is more stressful for folks is because it's not something they do all the time. It's not a well-honed muscle. And because it's not well-honed and not well-developed, it's like everything in life. You're uncomfortable with doing things that you aren't particularly good at or particularly practiced at. And so one of the ways that I saw that as someone who felt uncomfortable doing incident response and for my organization, it was the stressful thing. One of the things that I did in order to develop that muscle and on the theme of continuous learning is we taught the organization how to do e-discovery. And so the idea being that when you go through an e-discovery exercise, you're really starting to exercise some of those foundational muscles about how you would do incident response, forensic preservation of data, like calling data that you collect. All of those things are important skills for incident response that you learn through the course of e-discovery. In my case, fortunate or unfortunate, e-discovery was like this constant thing that, you know, we did it a couple of times. We got good at it. The same tool set that we used for e-discovery was one that we used for dead box forensics, right? We used NCASE. Um, we use it all the time. When the situation come up where we had to do a forensic collection, the team was already versed in how to do it. In fact, we already had the tooling in place. We were ready to go. Everybody was very accustomed to how, how the tools worked. And you know what? I said, hey, these are your keywords. This is what we're looking for. These are the PIDs that we're looking for. Sure, no problem. You know, everything's set up. And they went. The team wasn't really stressed out about like any times we got called in to do the investigation. But more importantly, we we're able to get answers to the people who were scared and who were looking for answers. And so because the team, you know, had some of those foundational 
muscles and, you know, were able to do it in a way that was kind of low stressful. They were a little bit more prepared than I think they would have been otherwise. We were able to kind of ease some of the fears of, you know, some of the leaders within the organization in a, in a timely way. And the fact that we were able to position something like eDiscovery as an IR enabler kind of reduced stress a little bit within the organization because we were able to kind of operate with a little bit more confidence and get people the information that they need a little bit more timely. But in the absence of being intellectually curious, and trying to understand how chain of custody works and understanding the spoilation of data and like the forensic sense, right? And how you maintain and like sanitize storage for the purpose of like court proceedings, right? And being able to document those processes. Like it was that act of learning that, you know, kind of arrived to the potential solution of this particular issue. And I think it's a good question that employers kind of ask the prospective security leaders. And I, I'm not sure how you would exactly phrase it just off the top of my head here, but like probing a little bit deeper and asking about, like, you know, like maybe aside from certifications, like how are you staying up to date on tech and how are you staying up to date on laws and regulations? And someone who's a voracious reader and someone who consumes a lot of content and someone who's always trying to stay ahead of the industry might be someone that's kind of checking those boxes for you. Nice. I'm going to swing the lever here just a little bit to a, a different kind of topic. Because as you were talking, I was just thinking about all the different ways in which they have to answer these questions that you're talking about. And it reminded me that, you know, some of the great CISOs I've met had balance, right? They were able to balance security against business need. And we talked at the very top of the show about, you know, understanding what business need is, but finding ways to sort of interrogate that capability on the part of the candidate. Like, how do you make a balanced judgment? How do you decide between user and endpoint security and user willingness to interact with the system? How do you balance transactional integrity checking with customers' friction-free experience of dealing with a site? So maybe finding a way to ask questions and see demonstrable performance of a security leader as having made good balanced discussion, if not always a parochially perfect security, you know, decision would be important too. Yeah. You know, hearing you phrase it like that, I mean, if, if you were interviewing me and you asked me those questions, I would turn around and probably ask you a whole bunch of questions back to qualify my statement because I don't believe for any one business, there is the perfect answer. I mean, there's the textbook answer for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. There's everything that ISC Square and Isaka should tell you you should answer. But by the way, like if you follow all those guidance, your business is going to be six feet underground. It doesn't fucking matter anyway, you know? So, <laughs> but rather if you ask the question back and say, well, like, help me understand your business. You know, like is endpoint the correct strategy? Like, tell me about the, you know, your, your asset posture. Like, like what are these things? Where do they, they exist? Like how promiscuous is your workforce? Right. Because then at that point, it's an endpoint solution is whether it's the right type of endpoint solution, which is a completely different conversation. Right. And, you know, I think a security leader can only get into that position if they understand the business challenges and business goals correctly, because otherwise you're just making records recommendations that the industry tells you is right. And that might not be correct for your business. It's, just, it's not. I like it. And I like the way you just did that, right? Because that just showed me another like characteristic of a real security leader, which is that they think about the security problem comprehensively, right? That it's not a security problem. It's a business problem that happens to involve security. And I, and I think that maybe that goes into both the definition of what the role is and the definition of what the skills are required to fulfill it, which is, you know, your job is perhaps to create a comprehensive security strategy, right? And maybe the question that follows on from that to see if they can do it is, how would you do that? Tell me what you think would be 
the elements of a comprehensive security strategy. Because as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this. And I'm saying to myself, you know, those are the questions you want the person to know to ask, the ones you just did quite organically, right? You're like, before I answer your question, dude, I got to ask you a bunch of questions. And that's sort of what you want to hear from a candidate, right? Is if this person who sent the note is interviewing, they're saying, hey, you know, what would you do here? And you want them to ask you the questions back. Or you want to start them off with a premise that says, you're going to have to develop a comprehensive plan. What are the questions you would ask? Yeah, I think that's a great starting point. And it's like any leadership position within the company is you hire them to lead a function in a very strategic and effective way, like a CFO or, you know, head of legal or, you know, whatever C-level job you have is like, that's the role that you expect them to play. You know, you're hiring these smart people to lead a part of your business strategy that enables your business goals. Why would you treat the CISO any differently? Which I think is one of the fundamental issues that still plagues our industry today is the CISOs have a C in their title, but they're not treated the same way as everybody else. And I think it starts with the business receiving them that way and the security leader ready to step into the role and fulfill the responsibility that the organization is expecting them to play. Yeah, a true C-level officer. Yeah. Right, they're chief of something. Yeah. Out of all this, like, the piece I can't help but think about it is, like, if you are a prospective security leader, like, why wouldn't you take the job, right? And at this point, maybe it's just me and where I'm at in my career is, like, people hit me up for these things, like, all the time. It's like, there is no way I would ever go work for that company or this company. And, you know, and I think about all the people that would jump at these positions and perhaps a little bit blindly so. And I was just like jotting down some notes since we started here. And um, when I think about just all the dumpster fires of organizations that people jump into that, you know, it's just like you were jumping into a black hole. You're going to end up being frustrated, stressed out. You're just going to get cynical over time. It's not a healthy arrangement. And, you know, if you're jumping into an organization, well, first of all, I'd say, you know, you need to understand like if your board or the leadership of the organization actually cares about security. And in all cases, everyone will say yes but their words don't match their actions. And if you think you're getting into a position where your organization has a board of directors, if you are sending security information by proxy to the board, that means your your message is already getting filtered. And that's probably not the position that you wanna be in long-term. Like you need to be someone that can be trusted and respected enough to basically speak for yourself that represents the company. And if you are being proxied to leadership, That is your first indication, in my opinion, that you are low enough in the organization and you are not a respected person of that organization in a way to kind of influence change and fulfill the job that you're being brought on to fulfill. Otherwise, you're just an information security officer, which is totally fine. There's plenty of jobs like that. But don't kid yourself. You're not a chief, right, in nature. Yeah, I I think that's interesting, right? Because we talked about the fact at the beginning that one of the things they have to be good at is evangelizing and communicating. And if I'm in that role of hiring as the person sent the note in is, maybe what they want to do is they want to make sure that this person can go unfiltered, unproxied to the board. Yeah. So maybe... We can recommend that that hiring person reset their expectation that they're not going to be the proxy between this leader and the board. They have to do their diligence to hire somebody who's capable, right? So the question may feel like, how would you, number one, drive engagement with our board around cybersecurity issues? And number two, you know, how have you in the past, you know, communicated security issues at the right level? So I'm not talking 
feeds and speed and block connection requests with a board of directors who doesn't really care at that level, right? To make sure that that person can fulfill the role you just described. Otherwise, if somebody's trying to write a job description and they do want to be their proxy, then hell, just write it for an ISO, right? Just write it for an information security officer. You won't have to do all this extra work because I think the person that we're describing, she brings to the table a whole pile of experience around what is evangelization, what is budgeting, what is leadership management, mentoring, and mentoring of peers in cybersecurity because right, realize at that level, you are the smartest security kid in the block. And you're going to have to mentor your peers and your boss, right? And this is a different job. I'd say that skill set is more important now than it ever has been. We talked about the SEC stuff coming up yep. where um, there's a regulation in the works that requires the board of directors to basically be versed in cybersecurity. You know, like the financial laws of, you know, of times past, the expectation is the board is a fiduciary. Right. And they have a level of like financial expertise and that's what they can bring. Right. And now what's emerging is cybersecurity is going to follow that same path. Right. Now, the board and business leaders are expected to know about cyber. And if the person you are hiring as your security leader can't mentor you to that point of expertise, that's probably the wrong person for that position. Agreed. Honestly, like where else are you going to get the expertise? Like, if you've hired someone and you have it in-house, why wouldn't you tap it? And if you're unwilling to tap that expertise, you probably got the wrong person. Yeah, well, that's absolutely right. And for those of the listeners who want a more detailed um, review of that, I believe that was Washington week number three, uh, a recent podcast where we talked about the SEC reporting stuff. Check, did that, that hurt coming out? No, it felt <laughs> the same Washington week again. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> wow, that was, that was deep. I had already forgotten about that. That was like, yeah. that was erased from my memory banks. No, but I think that that's another value. And who knows, maybe that was the genesis of the question, right? That somebody who's in a publicly traded company who cares about the SEC, who's going to have to do this kind of reporting, who's going to have to know more about it, wants a partner, wants a leader to make that thing go. And so I think these questions become even more important. Yeah. So I think in the course of this podcast, we've reviewed pretty much all of the characteristics that one would be looking for aside from cultural fit, you know, maybe some organizational preset requirements or baselining candidates coming in. But I think if we can, and we will go back and resolve this into a document that folks can use, this would describe a pretty awesome CISO, you know, probably bringing together a lot of the characteristics of some of the best ones that we've met so that maybe the listener who sent the note in can actually use this as a foundation to start the process. It was just sent back to John here and perhaps for our listeners, putting some some notes together here, write this up, you know, and say, like, if you are a business, these are the things that should be important or you should strongly consider. And if you are a perspective CISO trying to find the right business and you're unsure what to ask, here's the things you're going to figure out or you, you should figure out and know before you go in and you sign up for the role. Good to go. That's a commit. We'll put this together. It'll look like a job description, uh, one you can share on LinkedIn or Indeed or what have you, you know, with your own tailored commentary to it if you're the hirer. And I would recommend, because everyone listens to Pwned, if you're a candidate, make sure you understand it as well. Yeah, solid. All right, man. It's been good. Always is. All right. You need cyber help? Pwned at newharborsecurity.com. You want to uh, chat, cease the responsibilities or anything of the like? You know how to find us and we'll catch you on the next one.